Are they following the <laughs> steps of The Walking Dead? Like, oh, well, The Walking Dead does it. They're popular, so let's do it, too. It's going to be Fear the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Fear the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Comical Podcast, episode 71. I'm your host, Justin Corbett, and with me today, Miguel is not here. No. Instead, I have mini Miguel, Mr. Brian Guacamole himself. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> I'm Bri-Fi, you know? I have my own podcast, a brand that I've built. I know who you are. <laughs> Just uh, mini Miguel. Mini Miguel. And we also have a very special guest, Mr. Xander Cannon. How are you doing today, man? Good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Awesome. Can't complain. <laughs> Do I have, do I get a funny nickname? Uh, would you like one? Or is, is my nickname funny enough? I, I don't know. I, I would call you the Cannon. Just there we go. The Cannon. The Cannon. The, the Zan Cannon. cannon. The, the Zan Can. That works for me. We'll the call Zan him Zan Can. can. Like a da, 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 da. <laughs> Cool. Let's let's talk some comics. What were your top two books of the week this week, Brian? Dang. Already on the spot. Um, actually, number two for me was Ant Man issue number four. Just oh, yeah. dug the hell out of it. Um, Nick Spencer. Really killing it on this, and I love the way he just makes all these characters like really likable, and it's just perfect. Plus, I miss superior foes, and so this is the best thing that I have right now. Plus, I mean, he just takes these C, D list like villains, and just you fall in love with them, like you really dig them, especially like this one scene. Machine Smith is in here, and he's working a kid's party, like that's what he's been reduced <laughs> to is working the kid's birthday party, and they're like, "Say hell Hydra, hell Hydra," and he's like, "I don't even work for Hydra," so. I thought it was pretty funny and really rounded out really well. It is really good. I've been enjoying the Ant-Man series ever since it came out. Uh, again, I, I think Nick Spencer is just awesome. Uh, nobody writes D and C list characters like he does, so <laughs> you're right on the money there. Uh, so what was your number one then? Number one this week was Descender number two. I think I said that right without sounding like an idiot. <laughs> I actually haven't read that one. Tell us what it's about. It's a kind of a futuristic story about robots that attack this universe or galaxy, if you want to call it. It's a bunch of different planets. And so people get really kind of like anti-robot. And so after they disappear, they start just killing every robot that's out there. Turns out one robot, Tim 21, turns on after all this has happened like 10 years later. And he decides to like figure out what's going on because everyone where he's at is dead. And when he uploads into the system, everyone knows that he's active now and people are trying to go get him. And so in this issue... He's trying to get away from scrappers is what they're called. And they're trying to kill him, basically sell his parts for whatever. And he's running away. He's gotten flashbacks of like how he was made, his creator, his family that he was assigned to. And then just how he how well he blended in with his family. And so it's kind of a touching story because they're all dead now. And which, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, laugh, you know, uh, everyone he knows and loves is dead, Justin. He's a robot, so. He's got a pet dog, so he has to have feelings. Okay. Well, I, I haven't read the book, like I said. I have heard how great it is from so many different people, so I need to go out there and read it, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, definitely. But I didn't pick it up when it first came out. And if you don't like it for the writing, read it for, the what's his name, Dustin Wynn. Great artist. Love what he does in there. Cool. Have you read either one of those, Xander? 
Uh, I haven't read to those actually. I uh, I saw I, I've been seeing a lot of the stuff about D- Descender just because a lot of the stuff that's coming out at the same time as as uh, as my book. But yeah, I uh, I'm <laughs> behind the times. That's okay. If I won you over, that then I've done my part. Most most creators yeah, that I go. most creators that I talk to are behind the times, but only because they work so hard on their own books, they don't have time to enjoy whatever the people are doing. Well, and it's funny too because I mean, people be like, "Well, what's comics do you read?" And it's like, "Man, I make comics. Like, I can't afford comics." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's usually my uh, excuse. Cool. But I, I end up just getting like a. Just graphic novels and read them all at once. Instead of really, I don't ever really make it down to the comic store all that often. Um, oh, should, so should I do my my two? Uh, you can if you want, or you uh, can do it after me. It's up to you. Either way. All right. All right. Well, um, I actually picked these both up at uh, Emerald City. I was just at the Emerald City Comic Con, and uh, this one called uh, Penultimate Quest by Lars Brown, hmm. and it's self-published, and it's um, it's this cool sort of like really lo-fi like black and white fantasy story but there's this weird sort of i hate to use this to describe it but sort of like a a lost-esque quality where it's just like they're they're trying to figure out the the nature of this fantasy world that they've been put in this sort of team of of adventurers um anyway it's it's fascinating because the story is reads in a really for sort of straightforward way but then there's all this weird sort of mystery that's under the that's under the surface and uh it's got a really cool sort of sketchy, simple art style that's, uh, yeah, that's, like I said, really, really lo-fi. You can tell that he's not, like, reducing it a lot. Like, he's not drawing it really big and then reducing it down. It looks like it's drawn pretty close to the size that it's published. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's great. It's really cool. Uh, and then the, the other one I got, or one of the other ones I got, is The Wrenchies by uh, Feral Feral Darrymple. Darrymple. Uh, I love that yeah. book. Uh, I, bu- I bought a page of original artwork. Uh, not from The Wrenchies, but, I mean, in, in that style from him at that show and it's just like oh my god this guy's incredible i know <laughs> i mean just everything he does and every you know in uh, this and again like it's kind of kind of lo-fi you can tell it's all sort of done with uh, ink and colored pencil and gouache and you know color and watercolors and all sorts of stuff and you know scanning and cleaning that up and <laughs> the computer must be a nightmare but uh, it looks gorgeous <laughs> it really does yeah that's that's a that was one of my top graphic novels of last year i loved it yeah Hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. Actually, Joe Keating is the one that told me I had to read it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and then actually, I have, a, I have a bonus one, and that's uh, "Magical Game Time" by Zach Gorman. Have you seen that? I have not, but we had Zach Gorman on the uh, show last week, and he told us oh. a little bit about it. <laughs> oh yeah, I need to check it's it great. out. I mean, it's it's all just stri- it's all just like one or two page strips, but I mean, it's yeah, it's really it's really cool, really sort of sentimental, like about kind of growing up with video games and and. Uh, it's really kind of cool. It's kind of what like what a child sort of thinks about as in is sort of happening in video games. You know, like these sort of sad moments or Zelda is like contemplating life or no, it's not Zelda. Link is contemplating life in the Legend of Zelda or whatever. Yeah, they're great. They're really great. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, we talked to Zach. We love talking to him. Uh, I definitely got to check that out. Uh, his his Rick and Morty issue, which is awesome, last week. Uh, yeah. But this week, I guess I need to talk about my top two. Uh, my number two book was Evil Empire Twelve from Max Bemis and Victor Santos. Uh, as the last issue of this series, this is a series that I've, if you listen to the show, you know I've been talking about since issue one. Uh, <laughs> I fell in love with it immediately because it's just such a crazy, crazy story. It's all about this, the president of the United States, his daughter's being abused by his wife, and he finds out about it. And instead of trying to separate them or whatever, he just kills his wife. He kills the first lady, which 
everybody in the country kind of freaks out. But then when he gets the opportunity to speak to the country about it, uh, he kind of says, I'm tired of this PC world we live in. I'm tired that everybody is, uh, you know, not, not doing what they want to do because they're so afraid. And he's like, people aren't getting punished for things that they should get punished for. It's like, I want people to take justice in their own hands. So he ends up dying and this other guy becomes the president and takes over with this evil empire idea that the first president kind of established. And the whole country just falls into this, you know, not post-apocalyptic world, but it's kind of like that. Everybody's doing whatever the hell they want, and it's just crazy. Oh, wow. It's like the continuous purge. <laughs> kind of, kind of. I mean, people are getting killed. People are getting taken advantage of left and right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy world that this guy's created. But there's a resistance. There's people that want things to go back to how they should be or how they used to be. So in issue 12, the resistance manages to break into the White House, and there's a final showdown between the main, the main two leaders of the resistance and the president and his wife, who happens to be a sister. So <laughs> it's, wow. a really twi- it's a really messed up book. So Who publishes this? Uh, it comes out from Boom Studios. Oh, okay. Uh, so the resistance manages to take out the leaders of uh, the evil empire, and then it flashes forward 25 years later, and you get to see kind of how the country has evolved since that time. Hmm. And a character that you thought was dead from a long time ago is actually still alive, and it's very, he's very important to the uh, core of the story. And it kind of leaves things open-ended where there might actually be a sequel series. So I, I was really impressed with this whole run. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I'm probably not even doing it justice trying to explain it right here, but when the trade comes out, please go out there and read it, guys, because it is, it is just one of the most unique stories I've read in a long time. Uh, and oh. as far, far as my number one, uh, Savior number one from Todd McFarlane and Brian Holloguin and Clayton Crane. This is a really interesting story. It follows this reporter who's like a field reporter, and she's visiting her family in uh, Abelsville, Kansas. And they're driving down the road, and this airplane just falls out of the sky and crashes. And, you know, another, another Lost-esque kind of story, I guess. So there's all these people that are severely injured, and she gets out of the car and starts trying to help. Well, there's two stories going on. There's this story that happened five months ago in the past, and then there's a story happening in the present where everybody's standing outside of this courthouse, all these reporters... And they're waiting for somebody to show up. Well, it turns out the person they're waiting for to show up is this man who helped all these people at this plane crash by performing miracles. Uh, The synopsis for the series is that this guy is apparently the second coming of Christ. He's Jesus. (laughs) And it's all about how people are going to react to that, whether they're going to, you know, deny him, whether they're going to try to kill him, whether they're going to, you know, accept him or whatever. And, you know, everybody's questioning them. And it's just so interesting and such a weird concept that I can't wait to see where the book goes. I mean, so much craziness happens just between him getting out of the car and making it to the courthouse steps that uh, I'm hooked. I think it's weird only because he showed up in Kansas. I can't believe that. <laughs> like, if Jesus was coming back, I'd, you know, New York, somewhere important. <laughs> Kansas isn't important? No, like the Holy Land. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Land of New York. <laughs> that is the Bible Belt, right? Like for high-waisted right. people. <laughs> Well, did you have a pick of the week you wanted to highlight this week, Brian? Uh, yeah, um, this is a book that a friend told me to pick up called Space Riders. Uh, one of the writers on it, he's actually from this area, Houston. But it's a pretty cool little book. Uh, definitely, when you look through it, it has like that old school kind of like grindhouse feel to it. It's just a crazy space adventure with like this space captain, or excuse me, he calls himself Capitan because I guess he's Mexican in here, which might might be racist, but I think the writer's name is Hispanic, so. You know, I'm not too Yeah, I'm not triggered by that. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) it's pretty cool. He goes around, uh, ends up waking up after like this giant space battle that happened. He has like stabbed in the eye through his spacesuit. So I don't know how he's still alive 
and he gets demoted for some reason because I guess losing is bad news and he's not in the field anymore. So he's out drinking that, you know, the outlaw thing. Yeah, I'm drinking, but the bills all run up now and I can't pay it. And then lo and behold, someone comes back and is like, hey, I'm your new first mate. Let's go back to space. And so now he's back in space trying to get reinstated as a capitan. And but before that happens, some like space bikers show up trying to take his ride, which is the coolest thing in this book because it looks like a human skull and he calls it muerte or something. Basically the death. And so that's kind of cool. And I just I thought it was pretty cool, especially because it's a writer from Houston and I like to try to promote local people. And who's publishing that one? Black Mask. Small press. Love small press books. Small press. Well, my pick of the week is actually this new book that came out called Kaiju Max. You may have heard of it. Oh, you, you know, I think I have. <laughs> I think I read it. Uh, it's written by this guy named Zancan, who uh, <laughs> yeah. sounds really lame. I don't know. He <laughs> sounds pretty lame, all right. Anyways, we have Xander here on the show today. And uh, the first issue of Kaiju Max was just awesome. I loved it. Uh, oh, thanks, man. I'm not going to try to do it justice and explain it to our listenership, though. So why don't you take it away and tell them what it's all about? Well, it's it's funny because uh, like I've I've haven't really had like a super high concept book out before, and so you know I would kind of I had a lot of educational books on my table, and people would come up and say, "Oh, what's this about?" I'm like, "Well, it's a book about genetics." <laughs> you know, like, "Oh, all right," but now like the people are like, "Well, what's this about?" I'm like, "Well, it's about a monster prison," and they're like, "Oh." And then I'm like, yeah, but it's not like um, a science fiction story. It's more like Oz. So there's like drugs and gangs and stabbings. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and uh, yeah, so people, it's been really kind of fun to to, uh, to have like a really high concept book that, that people can, can do. So basically, yeah, it's HBO's Oz or Orange is the New Black uh, with kaiju monsters. Um, then they form into gangs and they smuggling drugs they there's a corrupt guards they um it's all the all the stuff that you would expect from a prison drama uh but 400 feet tall uh, <laughs> and and monster style you know the drugs that they do are uranium and smog and uh dioxin and stuff like that so yeah it's uh it's it is mi- the funnest book i've ever worked on <laughs> and you do the writing and the art for it right yeah, I did the writing and the art. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's yeah, it's all it's all uh, my my sort of creator owned uh, series. I um, I mean, normally when I do cre- normally when I do creator owned stuff, it's it's more like a it's more like just my take on a on a genre. Like my last book, uh, Heck, was it's just kind of a pulp story that I that just has my flavor or my style on it. But this, but it, it was kind of fun to do this this series as a as a really sort of high concept mashup because it suggests a lot of stuff already because, you know, you think, oh, you know, monsters and prison stuff, you're like, oh, well, okay, what would a, uh, the cavity search be like? You know, and all of a sudden, like, the weird, weird ideas start <laughs> popping up. And so those are always really kind of fun to to, uh, to run with. My, my style of storytelling, I think, tends to be a little bit mundane and downbeat. And so when I start with something so crazy and outlandish, uh, it, I think it always, it always kind of, it forces me to perk up a little bit, which is good. I think it was great. <laughs> I get what you're saying about like the I don't want to say mundane because your writing's not really mundane, but you're you're taking a really fantastical situation and making it seem normal. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And I yeah, cuz I don't want it to be like I don't want it to be like super wacky, you know, it's wacky enough. And I but yeah, like um I do try to make the like the stuff that people says like you know, pretty uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, but then, I, but then I spice it up with like monster slang. So like there'll be 
you know, calling each other megafauna or something like that, and uh, or or say, oh, oh my god. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Instead of oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it it is funny too because um, a lot of people that I showed this to, you know, when I was first working on it, they're like, ah, yeah, I don't get this. Like there were a lot of jokes that were just just flying over people's head where they'd be like, they would kind of like comics, but they weren't super into uh, kaiju movies or whatever. But it really is interesting because you then you put it out into the world of comics where there's a gajillion kaiju fans. It's like, oh, all these jokes that I kind of thought were a little subtler than they are. Like all of us people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, my God. And the ape, ape whale, you know, the gag about the ape whale. And it's just like I thought that that was a little subtle, you know, but it's like, nope, it's not. People get it. <laughs> My favorite thing in the entire book was when they were in the weight room and all the all the weights are buildings. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are very small yeah. things, like with the art that I really enjoyed too, and like the shiv was like piece of like a, a ship liner or something yeah. like that. That was really awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's always really fun too to sort of play with the play with the scale. You know, like well, what are they going to have that's that big? You know, I mean, and that's one of the reasons why like it doesn't have a you know it doesn't have any walls or anything like that. Like I wanted it to look like a you know, wanted to look like Monster Island, but then, uh, but then, just sort of like try to think of like what are all the things that they would have. You know, what are all the props that they would have that would be big enough? You know, so, so yeah, a lot of it is uh, uh, shipping containers and oil tankers and and uh, probably like cranes and <laughs> whatever else is gonna it's gonna come about. Well, one thing that you didn't touch on in the first issue is how do you keep the monsters on the island? Because it seems like they have plenty of places to just escape from. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, well, I mean, I wanted to sort of, I mean, I wanted to have like the idea of Monster Island sort of do a, some of the heavy lifting, you know, where where it's like, well, they just kind of stay there. But th- throughout the issue, there's a whole bunch of like these little sort of like pylons that are on the top of mountains and stuff like that. But that, that's like a like a an orb with like some, I don't know, some discs under it and stuff like that. And I'm and that's meant to just sort of suggest that there are countermeasures or force fields and stuff like that and in 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 time i'll go i'll go about sort of like the the mechanics of it but i also didn't want it to be one of the things that's tough about this series is that you don't want to you you run the risk of it sort of sort of veering into science fiction territory and i really i mean i really don't want it to be a science fiction book so much as i want it to be a, a satire and so when you really, I, I feel like when I, if I were to start talking about sort of how specifically how all of these things work, then it would start to become a little bit more like, I don't know that, that you that you it wouldn't be so much about like the prison gangs, you know, and right. the and the gags and the and the humor and and stuff like that. And I always want that to be uh, first and foremost. But uh, but yeah, there's there's talk of escaping, so we'll definitely be talking about you know whether or not it can happen in a later issue. Cool. Well, how did you uh, come up with your main character, Electrogore? Um, well, let's see. I, I wanted to do, I mean, I wanted to have him be like recognizably sort of kaiju monster type. So I wanted him to be, uh, I kind of modeled him after the Toho Godzilla sort of up to about 2004, where he was a little bit more sort of, he leaned forward a little bit more. So he was a little bit more sort of dinosaur-like. Um, and I wanted to have him have this ridge of stuff on his back, but I, I, I really wanted to dis- make him completely distinct from Godzilla. So a, he's, you know, he's like a crustacean or an insect or something like that. And B like the stuff on his back is these pods, pods of uranium as it happens. And then, uh, 
you know, and then he has sort of this insectoid face. And I, I would, I kind of took some inspiration from the the character of Christopher Johnson in uh, what was it, District Nine? Oh yeah, like, okay. Uh, just that insectoid face, but that is, but that's it's segmented enough that it has some expression in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to have a, a classic monster in terms of its size, shape, and bearing, but very different in terms of like color and and sort of the particulars of it, so that you didn't kind of go like, ah, oh, well, it's just a Godzilla stand-in. That's cool. I like it. I like the design for the character a lot. Um, oh, thanks. I did have a kind of a weird thing though, because the whole issue up until the point where he attacks the warden. He's he's very calm and very mild-mannered and very concerned about his kids. I mean, he keeps talking about his kids and stuff. But then at some point, it just turns, and he, he goes all crazy and attacks the warden when everybody else is obviously afraid of what the warden can do. Uh, what what do you think made him make that choice? Oh, well, I, I kind of felt like it, that, like, despite him being sort of this family man and being and being sort of a you know a fairly reasonable person that he has like the, uh, that he has a lot of pride and that he i mean obviously i hope it comes across but just that he, that he has you know he has a lot of pride and he has a bit of a, a, a certain temper you know once he gets put pushed past a certain point but in a way that it was sort of a tactical move too where it to show he had to show everybody who had been pushing him around and threatening him that it's like i'll take on the the toughest guy here and so none of you none of you better you know mess with me and I mean, that's sort of like a, a sort of a classic prison thing too, where where uh, you know you just you go up to like the, the biggest meanest, guy toughest the first guy. day you get there. Yeah, yeah. but you wouldn't you would just, assume that that tiny little human guy is going to be the toughest guy there. Right, right. Well, and that was one of the funny. That was one of the things that I liked about naming him Kang. You know, and that it's a. I mean, it's an ordinary sort of Korean name, but people were speaking of him in such sort of like reverential tones, like, oh, Kang, you know, you think he must be the meanest, biggest monster. And then it's like, oh, it's a switch. He's just a little guy. And then, oh, it's a switch again. He's this huge, you know, superhero from space or whatever. It was fun. It was fun to have that that character uh, sort of have that that little surprise there at the end. And people keep telling me like, "Well, is Ultraman in this?" And it's like, "Yeah, it's in there." <laughs> the, the Ultraman, ja- the Ultraman gag is in there. You'll that's just what wait. I saw. I in there, I was like, "Oh, Ultraman!" That's exactly what I yeah. see. Yeah, and Ultraman was sort of my was my entry into kaiju films too, where it's like uh, my my son and I always used to watch uh, Ultraman together, and uh, and he just loved you know he just loved it when he when he was only like two or three. You know, he would want to do that little the little zap that he does, you know, <laughs> yeah. all the time. But uh, yeah, so so Ultraman, uh, Ultraman is like that's really sort of dear to my heart. You know, I thought it was pretty cool though. Like in, when you read the book, you kind of see some of the other guys kind of make mention, like, "Oh, he's here." Like it's like they know, like maybe he has a history or something. Yeah, <laughs> that that uh, oh that the the Electrogore, the new the the new guy is yeah there. yeah like they yeah. they mention him by name, which I thought was. Kind of like, wait, maybe he's not so. And they say something about him being hard. Yeah, like hard. Yeah, maybe because he's a Christian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I, yeah, I like that sort of that it's like going to prison. You know, in the area where you're from, it's like, oh yeah, I heard about that guy. You hear about this guy's street name or whatever. Oh yeah, he's with the such and such gang or the, you know, and and having and having everybody sort of like pair up or not pair up but like but sort of find their own find their own people or find their own gangs when they come into the prison everybody has a bit of a reputation or, or even just like i know i know who he's gonna team up with so we better not mess with them that kind of stuff you know it's it's funny it's like i've like re- i've watched so many prison movies and, wa- and read so many prison you know prison books now it's just like 
I, I almost you have to kind of stop doing it after a certain while or a certain period of time because you're just like oh, this is just depressing. <laughs> like you just think about oh god the you know you start being like what is the state of America? But anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a whole. <laughs> it, you you're, you have to go back to watching just like exploitation films because you're just sort of like no, I just want the I just want the the tropes, man. I don't want to hear about like how how it really sucks that people are you know imprisoned for their entire lives for selling pot or whatever. Yeah, or <laughs> chewing on the pipeline. <laughs> Yeah, or chewing on a pipeline. See, yeah, it's just a victimless crime, more or less. <laughs> well, I think my favorite uh, character in the book is, is a really kind of not easily noticed character, the volcano. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, he just blends in. That was such an interesting character design. Oh, yeah, thanks. I, yeah, I, um, I, I liked, well, when I was starting to do the book and it was, you know, it was all kaiju monsters, I wanted to have not just the Japanese kaiju because I wanted to differentiate them. So I wanted to have like the the cryptids. And so you have the guy at the beginning who's sort of like the, who's like a Jersey devil. And then you have like the goat guy. But I wanted to have something that was sort of like, it was sort of more like, almost like wherever the Blair Witch Project took place, where it's just sort of like a place that drives people insane. <laughs> you know, like, I, so I, that's what I kind of wanted the, the mountain guy to be. It's just that he's just a, he's just a place that would sort of like get in your head. Something, something evil is about this place. And, and, uh, um, and so they would have a different effect, you know? And, and so he could just, he could be almost that silent sort of mob boss just, and people just kind of know what he wants them to do. Um, <laughs> I didn't even notice him the first time I read the comic. The first time I read through it, I didn't even see – I thought the guy was just talking to himself when he was leaning up against him. And I was like, what is going on? And then I read it again. And I was like, holy crap. There's, there's like a talking mountain. That's a, that's a great character design. I just want to know how he moves. Like does he have little tiny legs under like the mountain? Like does he pick himself up or whatever? Is the mountain that rides? Yeah. <laughs> That would actually be kind of awesome. Yeah, we'll have to uh, – when, when he has to move, I'll, uh, I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> Cool. Well, how did you um, how did you get your book picked up by Oni Press? I, well, I've known those guys for a long time, for one thing. And and when uh, when my book Heck came out, that sort of it, like it got a, it, it was nominated for some awards and it won some awards, and so like that kind of raised my profile a little bit. And and so the I had originally been pitching it with um, well, do you guys know Ryan Brown who does uh, God Hates Astronauts? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so Ryan and I were, were pitching this around, and uh, but then. God hates astronauts kind of picked up. And so he, you know, he did his, his Kickstarter and then he got a thing with image. And so it's like, yes, please go do, you know, go do your creator own project. Don't, don't mess around with me. And so then Oni, Oni and I had talked about like, uh, let's do, yeah, let's do this, you know, as, uh, and I, I had sort of my schedule cleared up and, and so I could do more than just write it. And, and I mean, it really was pretty easy uh, relatively speaking, I I had just been sort of like it, all our conversations were very sort of like casual about it, and it was really just a matter of like of planning it out in sort of a, a practical kind of way, where it's just like, well, can I can I afford to do this on this on this tight of a schedule, you know, and 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 survive, you know, and not not starve to death. And Oni's been great; they've been really easy to work with. They're they're really great to work with editorially. They're really great to work with from a from a promotion standpoint. I mean. This is certainly the first book I've done where people are like actually excited about it before it ever comes out, you know, and that's and that's all due to their marketing people and and you know and all the sort of social media that they do and all that stuff. So I mean, yeah, it's been it's been great working with them. That's awesome. I mean, it really I think it's really kind of interesting too to to like to go kind of to veer from you know, I've done a lot of mainstream stuff and then and then some like super small press stuff and it's kind of nice to be like right there in the middle. It's almost like that's right where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> What's what you're saying, Brifi? Wait, do what? 
Go medium. Oh, yeah. Go medium. That's what Miguel's trying to get me to say. Miguel always says go big. Oh. So since, since Bryfi is Miguel Mini today, he's supposed to say go medium. Yeah. Well, maybe go small. I don't know. <laughs> How big do you think I am now? No. You're smaller than Miguel. Well, that's the goal. Just to be just a little bit smaller than him. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, let's move on to the next segment, which is one called Tell Me a Funny Story. And you're up first, Brian. <sighs> I'm just dreading it because the first time I was on this podcast, I told a really awkward story, which I, now I, I've learned, I've listened to, and I've tried to move from that. So I think today I got a pretty good story. It's about a car accident and an ex-girlfriend. Okay. Which I think are pretty good mixtures. <laughs> trying to kill her? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> let me tell you the story as I told my dad first. So we were driving on the back road. I was taking her home after just hanging out. And it, it was kind of late at night, maybe like 10 or whatever. It's dark. And where I'm from, it's a small town. So there's a lot of like country roads and stuff. So we're driving. And as we're driving on the road, I, you know, I see something kind of like flicker out in front of me. And I was like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden a deer pops on the road. And so I swerve to miss it. And I end up going to a side ditch. But out here, there's like a big, not a big creek, but a little creek. So there's like a small bridge that on the sides of it has little curbs to kind of, you know, keep cars from going off there. My car ends up smacking that little curb, but it pops me up like Dukes of Hazard, And like somehow I make it over this tiny little creek, hit this ditch and make it back onto the road. But by that time, I had hit like pinched my oil line or whatever, tore a hole in my transmission pan, like all this crazy crap to my car and so when my dad finally came out to get me i told him all that and you know he was like well i'm glad you're okay but you don't need to be out on these roads driving that fast one i was like okay dad what really happened because that's the story i told my dad do you remember that movie fast and furious well i think everybody does now yeah and how he <laughs> stares at the girl whatever while he's driving because it's really badass and really cool well, my ex-girlfriend loved cars and loved racing, and she talked about how she thought I was sexy and stuff when she could do that. And I was like, I can do one better. So while we're driving down the road, I pull her over, and we're like making out while driving. Because, you know, in high school, that sounds like the greatest idea in the world. Went into the ditch because I wasn't watching where I was going, popped over the thing, and everything happened. When we stopped, the best part of this all was she says, oh, no, my dad can fix it. He's, he, uh, he changed my oil. He knows how to fix cars. And me being, like, never worked on a car before, I'm like, this makes sense. Okay, he can fix the car. Dad won't kill me. Everything will be fine. The car doesn't run anymore because the oil line got pinched and everything. So the car just dies. And so now we're scrambling around trying to think, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. Someone's got to come pick us up, and it's going to be my dad. And I'm like, I have to tell him. I have to tell him. He's going to kill me. He's going to be like, what were you doing? I'll be like, I was making out my girlfriend, and he's just going to put his fist through my face. And so we're, we're bouncing stories off of each other trying to come up. And the story that we were going to go with was that I hit a turtle, and the turtle was somehow strong enough to bend my frame, knock my engine. Like, it's like a sea turtle? I don't know. <laughs> like I, I was in high school. I was thinking of stories not to get my dad to kill me. <laughs> and, We've all been there. I understand. And so like the running joke after all this, and my friends, to this day, it's been eight, even more. It's been almost 10 years since this accident's happened. From this day, they always refer to it as the time Brian hit a blue-eyed doe with a big rack. <laughs> and that's like the story that I can't live down for the rest of my life. 
All right, that's pretty funny. I, I tried. <laughs> Fair enough. What about you, Zancan? You got one for us? Uh, uh, man, I don't know. See, I don't. I, I don't have a lot of funny stories. But uh, one time when I was a kid, uh, my my sister and I went to a uh, a daycare, and my sister was terrified of dogs. And so, like, any time there was a dog on the street, she just she would cry and she would make a scene and she would hide behind my parents and, and all this sort of stuff. But we went to this daycare, you know, five days a week, and they had this little dog there. It was a poodle, and his name was Happy. And, uh, <laughs> and this, uh, she loved Happy. She thought Happy was great. And, uh, and so... One, you know, and so, but of course, the the fear of dogs was was going on all the time, and so, uh, one time I think it just did. My mom was fed up, and this this uh, this dog had barked it, and my sister was like, you know, freaking out, and she said, "Look, Becca, why, why, you know, you're afraid of dogs, but but uh, but you're not afraid of Happy. What's the deal?" And she goes, "Well, Happy, not a dog. Happy, a sheep." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I just yeah. love the idea that she thought that this, yeah, some lady, she's just got a sheep who lives in her house. Well, of course she does. Just a little baby sheep. Sheep were cute. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's my story. Well, just the fact that you're talking about your sister being afraid of things, and we were talking about uh, giant monsters earlier, that reminds me of a story. Uh, when I was younger, my family took a trip to Universal Studios in Florida, and my, my, I have two sisters. My middle sister and I were both gung ho about doing all the disaster rides and the, you know, the stuff that would be scary to like a really little kid. And my my youngest sister was really little. She was like three at the time. So, you know, we went on these disaster rides. And it's like the ground collapses beneath you, and this giant flood comes. There's all these crazy explosions, and she didn't have a problem with any of that. It was all fine until we went to do the King Kong ride. And we got about three quarters into the King Kong ride, and then he started swinging. You're on this little like suspended monorail. And he started swinging towards it, and he comes real close, like his hand and his face come real close to the little trolley you're on, and she just started screaming bloody murder. She was terrified, and she screamed continuously from the moment that happened until we walked off of the thing, <laughs> and we were trying to leave the uh, area of the, of the park where the King Kong ride was, and there's a giant display of King Kong at the entrance, so when she saw that, she started screaming again. Well, this park manager comes over and he's just like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with her? Is she okay?" And my dad's like, "She's terrified. You know, she's she's not good for King Kong." And the guy felt so bad, he gave our family free passes to cut to the front of whatever line we wanted. <laughs> so we actually went and we uh, we cut in front of all these angry people because it was middle of July. It was like 105 outside. Uh. We cut to the front. We used them multiple times. We were only supposed to get one use out of them, but like we cut and we went to the Back to the Future ride. We went on the Hanna-Barbera ride. We went back to the Back to the Future ride, and then we went into Star Tours. And my sister my sister kept talking about how great the King Kong ride was because uh, we got free tickets. <laughs> That's okay. So I'm going to just tell everyone, ah, I'm scared, I'm scared. Hopefully get tickets to everything. I don't know if that works today, but, but it worked back then. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of the things that like scare kids and the things that don't scare kids, it just that made me think of when when my son was like two. We would watch uh, Empire Strikes Back. We watched like the scene of the the battle with uh, Luke and Darth Vader. Didn't bother him at all. And then we he, then we would watch a DVD about uh, Elmo, uh, and Elmo gets his blanket stolen by uh, Mandy Patinkin, and he was <laughs> inconsolable. He just it's like it's so scary. He had to turn it off. The, Mandy Patinkin was so scary because I mean it's like you know. 
fighting with the Darth Vader, that's completely abstract, but like getting your blanket stolen, that's like that's real that's real drama. <laughs> that's to a real fear. <laughs> yeah. Forget that Dark Lord of the Sith. Manny Patinkin's like terrifying. <laughs> I know, seriously. Reminds, awesome. Like stories like that. My little brother, he's just like eight maybe, a little bit younger than that. The one thing that freaks him out, he'll play Call of Duty, he'll watch Saving Private Ryan, loves all that stuff. He read in school, like about bones and stuff, he's freaked out. His elbow's gonna pop out of his skin. Like his bones are just gonna somehow, like his skin's not gonna stretch, and his bones are just gonna come out. Like that freaks him out. And so sometimes you'll see him kind of look like he's just walking like Frankenstein. He's like, I don't want to bend my joints. My sister had oh, some kind of God. weird phobia about her knees with that. Right. I used to mess with her all the time. She'd be asleep, and I'd walk over and do that cracking the egg thing, Ugh. where you like tap them and like, Ugh, and you feel it. Like uh, she would, she would scream at me. She used to get so mad, but. Like she'd be riding in the car with me, and I just touch her knee. She'd freak out. It was fun. It was fun to mess with her back then. My phobia is like fingernails, man. Like I'm scared. Like my fingernail get caught on something, and I'll just feel it start ripping up. Like that. Ugh, that freaks me out so much, man. I've had that happen before. I've, I've ripped a fingernail off. It, it hurts. It hurts really bad, but I'm not afraid of it. That's why I can't read books like Nailbiter. It freaks me out. It's my nightmare. Yeah, stay out of stay out of Warren's way. <laughs> Well, there is some uh, comics, movies, and TV news this week. Just a little bit. What do you want to talk about first? Let's do TV. TV. Apparently, Supernatural creator Eric Kripke is developing a live-action TV series called Amped. At the same time, he's writing the six-issue miniseries for DC and Vertigo. Uh, it's about a guy that takes an energy drink and somehow gains powers from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, there's no way they could do this. <laughs> but it's the first, it's the first uh, comic TV series that... It's going out in conjunction with the book. It's coming out at the exact same time. It's not like art imitating art. Because normally you get the book first and then the TV show, or you get the TV show and then the book, like Heroes. And like The Walking Dead right now, you know. Right, but this is the first one where they're coming out at the same time, so Hmm. I thought that was kind of notable. Are they going to be like different stories, or is it going to be like the same thing? I'm not sure. I think they're going to happen in the same world. Uh, but I'm, they'll probably have to be slightly different, right? And then and they're going to be a resurgent of amp energy drinks, and everyone's going to be like, yeah! <laughs> they come with little coupons you can tear off in the back. <laughs> Maybe you can get superpowers, too. <laughs> tear this off and mail it in, and we'll send you a case of amp. Yeah. So at the WonderCon panel, it was revealed that uh, Mad Hatter and Clayface are both going to be showing up on Gotham this season. Sweet. So that's kind of cool. cool. Clayface. I- I'm interested to see how they do Clayface. I mean, they can't do the giant malleable monster, I don't think. Maybe it'll just be a guy who wears clay on his face. I mean, initially he was just a guy that could kind of change his appearance. So maybe he's going to be like a shapeshifter or something. That'd be pretty cool. I could see that. But I doubt that we're going to get the uh, giant monster that everybody's familiar with nowadays. Hey, anything can happen. That's true. That's true. (laughs) But not anything should happen. Uh, Do you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I do. Do you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Xander? Uh, No, I, I I watched the pilot. I haven't watched it since. Okay. It gets a lot better. <laughs> Just, okay. You gotta shrug through the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Season. Right. Uh, so, did you watch the most recent episode, Brian? Uh, actually, no. I'm I'm gonna watch it tonight. Okay. Well, spoiler alert. I'm not gonna spoil it since you haven't seen it yet. But uh, you can spoil it. I have I have a theory, and I saw a lot of other people online had the same kind of theory. Uh, it does sort of feel like Marvel is taking the show the same direction as what they've done in the comics recently where some kind of Terrigen bomb or something is going to go off and give all these people powers. Yeah, yeah, okay. I noticed that, yeah. And it was really sort of reinforced in this past episode. And I was just wondering if you guys had seen it or if you saw, thought maybe the same thing. 
Dude, that'd be really awesome, though. Because then, you know, there's the potential to bring in so many more characters yeah. from them. I just want to miss Marvel. I want a Kamala Khan. That's what I want. <laughs> well, we got to get the original Miss <laughs> Marvel first. Ah, whatever. <laughs> You're not a fan of Carol, De- Carol Denver? Ah, I mean, she's cool. I don't read her. I read Kamala because she's my favorite person in the world right now. I mean, she's just cool. She's hip. She does everything that I do, except she's like in high school. Well, not everything, but most things <laughs> that I do. She's in high school. I'm, you know, almost 30. So, yay me. She's perfectly relatable to you. Yep, perfectly. She was written exactly for me. I like Kamala, too. I think she's a great character, but I wouldn't go that far. I would. <laughs> okay, I'm, no, would. I'm just crazy. <laughs> okay, and the last thing for TV is that uh, just now, like literally within an hour ago, uh, they announced that there is an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff coming. Huh. So I have no idea what it's going to be. There's no info about it except that they're working on it. That's interesting. I don't really know. Are they following the <laughs> steps of The Walking Dead? Like, oh, well, The Walking Dead does it. They're popular, so let's do it, too. It's going to be Fear the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Fear the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be Love the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Seriously, isn't that the worst title <laughs> for a spinoff? Man, I... Ugh. That can't... Like... I could have. You could have just called it like The Walking Dead L.A. or The Walking Dead Two, yeah, and I would have been. Could have okay been with like it. one of the NCISs or CSIs there or something. You, you know, just give it different locations. But fear the Walking fear Dead. the Walking Dead. I already am fear of the Walking Dead. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, it seems that, redundant. That's all I'm saying. They could have hired me for marketing. I could have done a way better job. <laughs> so, what do you want next? Comics <laughs> or movies? Let's do movies. Okay, there's a lot of movie stuff. Uh, Entertainment Weekly is releasing four collector's edition covers for the Age of Ultron on. April 10th. Hmm. And uh, on one of them, you see the full vision. Oh, sweet. Because they haven't released that image yet. Oh, spoiler alert. There is a leaked image online. I saw it today. It's, it's from the Entertainment Weekly. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's so good, though. He looks pretty awesome. Badass. Are you a fan of uh, <laughs> of Marvel, Xander? I, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, but I'm way behind. It's like I don't get I don't get out to the movies, and so I, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen, I haven't read, like, the Avengers since you know the 80s or something like that but I'm like oh cool the, you know the, the vision I like him <laughs> if it makes you feel better I don't even read the Avengers now so I just watch right. the movies <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's kind of crazy what's going on in Avengers now it's it's hard to follow <laughs> yeah well that's the I mean that's kind of my my problem with like with a lot of mainstream comics is that they you're forced to know so much and it's just like wow i you know i don't have time to to keep track of all that stuff so i just i just don't ever get into it which i think is i think it's too bad because i think i know that there are a lot of them are really good when we started this show we we kind of made it a pact that we were going to keep up with everything going on in the comic world and miguel who's my normal co-host was supposed to be following everything in dc and i was supposed to follow everything in marvel (laughs) well Neither one of us really like what's going on in DC for the last two years, so he doesn't even he doesn't read anything DC. I only read like a couple of books, and both of us read everything that comes out from Marvel. It seems like so, uh-huh. it's really hard for us to read DC stuff. I don't know why. Well, just it, use yeah. Wikipedia. That that's how I get on. I mean, we we read the news sites, so we're <laughs> apprised of what's going on, but we don't know all the in depth stuff. Yeah. Right. Next, uh, Kevin Feige and Josh Whedon said that uh, there's not going to be a post credit scene in Age of Ultron, uh, but there is a mid credit scene. And that they're going to reveal a new female character. Hmm. Miss Marvel? I don't know. Captain Marvel, maybe? Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they're, they're trying to convince us that it's not Captain Marvel, but that it is a really cool character. They're like, oh, it's absolutely not Captain Marvel. <laughs> it's Captain Marvel. That, like, what was that skit like in a TV show when any, anyone ever says it's absolutely not? It is absolutely. Well, all I know is that they added Linda Cardellini to the cast list. Hmm. And 
I'm, I'm excited that she's going to be part of the Marvel Universe. I just don't know what character they're going to give her. Dang. What would you want to see? What do I want to see? Uh, or what do I think is realistic? <laughs> well, give me both. That way I can have my hype up and then my realistic hype. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see Captain Marvel. I, I think she would be an awesome Captain Marvel. Uh, but most likely we're probably going to see something, somebody like the Enchantress. Okay, I can see that. I think that's probably the route they're going to go. But I, I guess we'll find out next month. <laughs> yeah. Man, so close already. That's yeah, we're so crazy. Real, we're real close to it. Holy crap. Wow. Next, Mark Millar's Jupiter's Legacy was optioned as a film. Didn't it? Oh, wow. what was that one movie? That Jupiter's Ascension. Right? Yeah, they're, okay. they're, they're not related. I was, I was like, is that, oh, a sequel. That's nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not related. Um, Jupiter's Legacy, I think, came out early last year. But apparently everything he writes just gets automatically picked up nowadays because I know MPH was optioned not that long ago. Really? So That's crazy. It'll be interesting. Um, Batman versus Robin is dropping April 14th. Hmm. Have you seen that yet? Have you seen anything about that? No. Is that animated? Or it's an animated, animated okay. movie. Uh, it's, I, I watched it. I had a friend that got me a copy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. It's not the greatest animated movie that DC's put out because a lot of theirs are really good. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, I don't know if you've watched any of the Marvel animated movies, but they're <laughs> no, they really terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen a single good animated Marvel movie, uh, at least not in the last like five years. But most of the DC ones have been pretty all right. Yeah, I think my favorite one that I can remember is uh, Under the Red Hood. That I, one I really I don't like. understand how they can get animated movies and TV shows so right and everything else so wrong. <laughs> they, 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 don't, they don't handle movies right. They don't handle comics right. I don't know what DC's doing, man. All the good writers and artists are on the animated movies. That's what it is. Maybe so. Maybe so. Or are they all just going indie? I mean, most of the best books out there are indie books right now. That's true. Uh, there's a rumor that came out today that Ernie Hudson is in talks to play the elder Black Panther in the Black Panther movie. I thought you were going to say something Ghostbusters. I was going to get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd make a good uh, King T'Challa. That would be really before cool, Before Prince though, yeah. T'Challa yeah. steps up and takes over. I think he, that's a great casting choice. They should have got Eddie Murphy. And then they could be just like coming to America again. <laughs> except with Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. Um, Latino Review released a rumor that Jason Todd is going to be in the uh, new Suicide Squad movie as the Red Hood. Huh. That would so, be pretty cool. Ooh. I like the Red Hood as a character, so that would be really awesome. I do, too. Um, Suicide Squad is looking kind of interesting. I mean, they keep adding new and more a characters bunch. to the yeah, list. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of the same thing they're doing with uh, uh, Batman, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> it's just like throw all the villains into this one movie and throw all the heroes into this other movie, and hopefully it works out somehow. And then third movie, they all kiss. Or, I mean, fight. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it's going to be like a... <laughs> DC Universe Online, like all of them fighting. Oh, yeah. Just making it of like uh, the old school Mortal Kombat games where it's like live action characters or whatever and just have them duke it out in a video game. I guess that's what they think people <laughs> want to see. I don't know. It's like, here, just throw big names. Here, here, Will Smith. Yay. Uh, and that's it for movies. Comics, there's only two things. The first one is that they are doing a Star Trek and Green Lantern crossover called The Spectrum War. Uh, that's supposed to come out in July. And it's an IDW and DC crossover. It's kind of weird. I don't want to make people mad weird. at me, but I really don't care about either one of those things. <laughs> You're not a Star Trek fan? No, I'm not much of a Star Trek fan. I mean, I thought the new movies were all right. Like, they were more action, so that's kind of why it was easier to get into. But no, I don't really, like, sit down and watch any of the TV show. What about you, Xander? I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a Star Trek miniseries for IDW. Oh, really? That's awesome. Um, and and I I mean I like the new movie I mean I like the new movies all right I like them but I kind of like them with the Star Wars part of my brain instead of the Star Trek part yeah like Star Trek part where it's just like yeah I like oh it's very calm you know like 
let's just let's just preserve the prime directive for you know like <laughs> that's that's the sort of star trek that i like just very mellow sort of like downton abbey in space you know <laughs> that's a great description <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm a big star trek fan too i mean ever since i was a kid i've loved it so i don't know i'm not a huge green lantern fan especially not the way it's been written uh, lately yeah and i don't know what you'd have to say about about star trek and green lantern together it's you know, such a weird. Other than up. the fact that everybody knows who both of those things are, yeah, isn't like the whole objective of the Green Lantern Corps to like get involved anyway and like protect people? It, yeah, I, I mean, or I don't know, like they don't seem to have much of a a reason except. I mean, I think their purpose is to have like big green po- you know, boxing gloves that like appear in the air and like whack people in the face. Like that seems to be. Or, or like, <laughs> what they're supposed to do? Or what was it in the movie? Fire fighter uh, fighter giants fighter like jets in space or whatever. And I mean, late, lately <laughs> in the comics, it seems like their only purpose is to fight other people that use different colored rings. Like they don't do any protecting, they don't do any policing. It's just oh, there's a red guy, let's go fight him. Oh, there's a yellow guy, let's go fight him. It's, and it's like it's lantern racism. That's what it is. <laughs> it's segregation in space. <laughs> Maybe uh, See, now there's a comic for you. That's like that would be a comic I'd want to read. Lantern racism. Let's pitch it. Let's all get together and make this a uh, reality. Maybe Picard's gonna like go up there and be the MLK of space, <laughs> try to unite the the factions of lanterns. And who's gonna be the Malcolm X? Like Sinestro or Jonathan Frakes? Oh, mm. <laughs> clearly, clearly it's Jonathan Frakes. Oh, that's funny. Good. And the uh, the last thing about comics, Deadpool died this week. No. Oh. And uh, Ryan Reynolds forever. Ryan Reynolds made fun of it. Oh yeah, he did. That was an awesome <laughs> picture, man. Like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds in the full Deadpool get up, sitting on the toilet, reading the issue about his death. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. It was pretty awesome. Like just that whole thing. I don't know if you follow Ryan. Well, you probably do follow Ryan Reynolds on Twitter, huh? Yeah, I think I do. I was gonna say, I like, for sure. if you've been like. All these photos that have just been coming out, and like he's been having so much fun with this. It's it's refreshing to see an actor who really loves a character so much and is so involved with it. And like seeing that, like it made me forget Deadpool died for a moment. And I was like, this is what I want. This is this gives me hope for the movie. I've I've always had faith that he was gonna give a good representation of the character. Um, not right after Wolverine Origins. Right after <laughs> Wolverine Origins, I was pissed, uh, but. Ever since he came out and said that that was not his fault, that they forced him to do that against his wishes and uh, his view, his vision for the movie was completely different. I've, I've kind of had high hopes for it. And everything I've seen so far, I've, I've actually liked. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. They even added the little like diddly thing on the back of his mask. So. It may be the best Fox movie about superheroes. <laughs> so. That's no, I don't know. You better slow down putting Fox there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have faith in Fox. I mean, I think the movie's going to be fun, but I'm very reserved about it because of Fox. That's understandable. (laughs) And that's it. That's it for the news this week. So uh, we have to mention briefly that Comic Palooza is coming up in Houston, and we are going to be attending. Uh, There's a podcast panel that's going to be going on on Sunday that I'm going to be a part of. And I'm going to be a part of, yeah. As well as our friends over at the Metal Geeks and the Nerd Foo podcast. Oh, sweet. Uh, so if you're attending Comic Palooza, come hang out with us and uh, listen to us talk about this hobby that we have. And then on uh, Monday, we are doing some live shows. Uh, I know that Metal Geeks are going at 10 a.m., I think. Nerd Foo is going at 11. And then at noon, you can come and watch us do a live show. 
Uh, and we're going to be doing a very good giveaway. I can't tell you exactly what yet, but uh, if you're in Houston, make sure you're there in that room at that time because you're going to want to be a part of it. And after the con, I'll be outside in the alleyway doing my own podcast. Live. No, it's great. Chip Zdarsky, what's going on? Shh. No, he does it across the street <laughs> okay. where people can see him. I'm going to be like under the highway where the right. home, with the homeless people. It'll be nice. Nice. And Comic Palooza is Memorial Day weekend. It's May 22nd through the 25th. Yeah. So make sure you come out there. It's going to be a blast. Uh, they got a lot of good guests this year. It's so much. Like just creator stuff. Just It's amazing. It is amazing. Also, I want to remind everybody, there's a few places you can find the show. You can find us on nerdbong.com, wickedradionetwork.com, beyondthedawnstudios.com, yourcityradio.com, where we have a show airing every Saturday night at 9 Eastern time. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher and now on SoundCloud. If you want to listen to Brian's show, you can find him at... You can find me at bryfipodcast.podbean.com. You can also find me on iTunes and Stitcher as well. I'm sure just Google me. You'll find me. If you see a YouPorn site, that's not me. so dirty when you say me. that. <laughs> just Google me. Just Google me. Hard. <laughs> and, of course, I'm on Twitter at bryfipodcast, Instagram at bryfipodcast, and under your bed. With a turtle. <laughs> um, if you want to follow Xander, you can find him at... Places. Places. Where can <laughs> people find you, Xander? I didn't, I didn't uh, handle Twitter. that very well. <laughs> I'm, on, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at, at Xander underscore Canon, and you can friend me on Facebook. I also have uh, kaijumax.com is, uh, is the uh, website for everything Kaijumax. In fact, I do a podcast with every issue where I do a commentary for the entire issue uh, of... Of Kaiju Max, and I talk about the the process of making the book. That's awesome. There's I, one that I didn't up know today. that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's uh, if you want to listen to me talk for in this case an hour and forty eight minutes, uh, then that's the place to go. <laughs> I will listen to that on the way to work tomorrow. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that's on SoundCloud. I mean, it's on it's uh, hosted on SoundCloud. So cool, cool. And uh, guys, please go out there, follow this show. On Facebook and Twitter, it's facebook.com slash comical podcast. You can find me on Twitter as at comical podcast, also on Instagram. Um, and that's pretty much it, guys. So, do you want to close out the show, Xander? Uh, keep on laughing, bitches. Perfect. <laughs>